We're in the middle of our new church, well, our current series. Uh, it's called Stop Going to Church. So what's, what's this all about? Why are y'all here? Haven't we been saying for three weeks now y'all need to stop going to church? That's because you've been listening that you're here, right? Exactly, exactly. Because uh, we're, we're bringing a little bit of a, well, what's that all about moment just to reawaken our our minds and hearts to what God sees church as. Because the way you view church will dictate how you treat church, especially during this time where there's a lot of restrictions and, and some bad and good reasons um, for you know not coming to church. But the truth also is that some of us could have been coming to church, but we stopped going to church a long time ago. How can that be? Well, in the first week, we saw that, you know, you can go to church, but view it as a special event. And if you view church as a special event, then, you know, you don't really ever connect to the fact that God really views church as a spiritual family. And it's something you can come to, go to, choose not to. You'll prioritize it differently because, you know, if it's an event, you might not need it right now. But when it's a family, when it's a spiritual family, there's a completely different way to a- approach it. In fact, you can be in a spiritual family and not end up showing up at an event. Tell me this. How many of you have done family reunions, family get-togethers? Okay. When somebody chose not to come to that particular one, was they suddenly not part of the family anymore? No, because family is not an event. Family reunions does not define family membership. Am I correct? And the same way, here we're a spiritual family. In other words, your presence at an event does not define membership. But your presence does. You being a part of the family. You see, you can be part of the family but not experience the benefits of it. Or you can be part of a family and experience the consequences of not showing up to the relationships. And we want to make sure that as we view church as a spiritual family, that we can, that we, well, rather, that we view church as a spiritual family so that we will interact with it the way God needs us to interact with it. Second thing we saw that church is not a hotel for those who are needing rest and comfort and, you know, self entertainment. Church is a place, it's like a hospital for the sick, a hospital for the, for, for the, for the down and out, a place where people come to to get healed restored, strengthened up to become a part of society again. Amen? And so with that comes a couple of things. You know, we're not going to be surprised when we see sinners in church. And especially if you come, kind of, you're sort of new, you know, and you might, you might see somebody in church, you know, that you know something about that happened, like, you know, five years ago. Don't be surprised if you see imperfect people in church. This is where we all get better. It doesn't matter where we come from, you're welcome here. Today we're going to talk about church being a body and not a building. A body and not a building. Right, so let's read from Scripture. We're going to spend a lot of time today in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read multiple verses. So unless I tell you the book's changed, it's still in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then at the end of the sermons there are a couple of other Scriptures that we're going to go to. Okay, first it says in verse 12, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. 
So is it with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body and by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. In this book, the word body appears 18 times. 1 Corinthians 12. 18 times. It's amazing, right? God really wants us to understand the emphasis of His church being a body. The church isn't an organization, even though it has organization. How many of you know we need to be organized? Okay, because you, you could have, you could have you know, come to church today and there might not have been a keyboard because somebody forgot to bring it. Or there might not have been a, you know, uh, if I forgot to pitch up, who, who would have shared the message? All right, there needs to be organization. When we brought the kids out, we brought them out to what? To an organized space where they're going to be taught the word of God. And it's amazing today, like, what we, what we want this, those environments to not just be a babysitting facility. We want them to learn the Word of God there. And so today they'll be going home with a little card that has a Scripture verse on it. And they will have learned that Scripture verse and what it means for their lives. And, and we want to ask you as, as parents to take those cards and, and ask them again during the week, what, is this, what does this Scripture verse mean? Because we want to partner with you in raising up your children in the way that they should go. We can certainly not, on one hour on a Sunday, do enough spiritual development with them to train them up in the way that they should go. And so in a sense, what we're doing is we're, we're kind of cueing you. <laughs> it's like, all right, now it's your turn, the rest of the week, to help remind them of the things that they've learned on a Sunday. So... Take those cards home and understand that if they put it on their mirror, you know, or they put it on their, their, their room door somewhere and they're able to see it and, you know, as you, as you guys clean the rooms or whatever, ask them about it again. Uh, remember what you still learned this Sunday? What was that verse again? Let's read it again. What does that verse mean for you? And don't think that the Holy Spirit inside of them cannot teach them. Trust the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. If they've understood and started believing in Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come in and guide them into all truth as well. So that's kind of why it's necessary for us to have organization, right? We need to know what happens when and, and who needs to do it. But the church cannot be just an organization. It has to have life. And so we would rather liken the church unto an organism, something that is alive, and that fulfills a certain function. And it has a purpose, right? And so, and so each member is, is like one of the, makes up part of that organism's body. Now, what, the amazing thing about um, an organism is that it is made up of different parts. And each one of those parts are extremely complex. And they, and they, and they, and they help contribute like there's not one cell in the body that does not contribute to the body's well-being. Right? So, so initially it was thought that you know, cell, cells of organisms are actually just little you know, simplistic blobs of tissue um, that, that, that basically just make up a bigger group of blobs of tissue that kind of you know, then becomes something that's, that's functional. Well, come to find out that each individual cell in your body is as complex as the city of New Orleans, let's say, for instance, with highways, byways, transportation systems, vehicles, and then governance, rules, laws, um, communication systems. Um, there's 
Each little cell has a component that causes it to learn and to teach everything to heal, to correct. Everything you can think of that's happening inside of a city, all of those elements working together can be found actually in every single microscopic little cell of your body. So by the way, that just completely almost cancels the, the, the idea that we develop from simplistic to complex organisms along the lines of what evolutionary thought would teach us. Even the, 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 the guy who, who um, originated the evolutionary theory said, like, my theory will break down if it can be proven that cells are not simplistic, that they themselves are complex, that will be a factor that makes my theory break down. Well, well, there you have it. To think that something can develop so absolutely complex from the smallest, simplest of forms, it's just otherworldly to think that that came about through random ways. No, it had design. And it was organized. And you know what? You and I are like little cells like that we are complex and we form part of a greater grouping of cells that form tissue that form little units that have function we call them organs and each one of those organs form part of a bigger system that eventually helps us to become a functioning body that can perform certain tasks and and live out a purpose with significance that means each and every one of us are a valuable part of this, of this outfit. Each and every one of us. There is nobody here that is not valuable. So sometimes we think that because something is invisible, therefore it's, it's dispensable. It is not. Just because you might not be as prominent as maybe people up front here, doesn't make you not important. In fact, if we do not have the parts of the body that are invisible and faithfully doing their job, we'd be dead. We'd go nowhere. I mean, how many of you ever spare any thought for your liver, you know, on a daily basis? You know, maybe some of you in the past, you used to like, man, I need to give my liver a break. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> you should give your liver a break. But the bottom line is, we don't think about every part of our body every week, you know? Like, I, I did not think about my cardiac organ this week. I did not. So when does, when does organs become kind of like, you become aware of them when they're not well, right? That's when you almost become aware of them, when your stomach all of a sudden goes, whoa, I need to go. That's when all of a sudden you're aware of the thing. But before then, you just expect it to kind of go about its business, right? <laughs> yeah, you do. But that's how, how it is. It's, it's, our bodies are complex systems that has to work together for the body to be able to do what it is supposed to do. So I want to make a couple of thoughts today, uh, points today about the church being a body. Okay, because if the church is a body, it means that we have a purpose and we have something that we need to accomplish. And we can only do that if every part of the body is healthy. 
is in a good place. And, and this is what we need to do to understand what our role is and how to make sure that our body is healthy and that we can accomplish what God has called us to do. So verse 14 says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says to the body, um, Look, I'm not a hand and therefore I am not a part of the body. Does that make it any less part of the body? That's what the scripture is trying to say. No, it doesn't, right? And, and it's almost like your opinion can't change your reality about you. You are a part of the body, whether you like it or not. And, and how many of you remember the Adams Family, that show, The Adams Family? You remember that, 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 that hand? What was it called? There you go. Why was it called thing and not hand? Duh. It's freaky. Hands should be connected to a home. They shouldn't be walking around scaring people. But what this verse is trying to say to us, it says that every part of the body is different and that's okay. That's okay. You're supposed to be foot. You're supposed to be heart. I'm sorry, some of us are supposed to be the digestive system. Every part of it too. <laughs> but that makes us function. It makes us operate. It makes us able to do stuff. It makes us able to help. It makes us able to love. It makes us able to serve. The body of Christ is not about sameness. It's about oneness. And so what sometimes happens in the body of Christ is um, they develops a very strong culture or a strong understanding of I ought to be like that to fit in. I want to let you know that you ought to be yourself if you're going to fit in. Because honestly, if you're not yourself, that seat's taken. Did you hear me? If you're not yourself, your seat is taken. But if you are yourself, your spot's open. And you can come and take your place in this body. That's amazing. That means you're welcome. When we say welcome home, we're not trying to be smart about it. We're seriously saying this is your seat at the table. Come and take it. Nobody else is going to sit there. That seat's little Johnny's seat. He should sit there. Let's do a quick survey of the group here today. Okay, how many of you are under 20? Hands up. Under 20. Way at the back there. Come a couple over here. How many of you are under 30? Okay, under 40. That's me, my, I'm 39. How many of you are over 40? Okay. How many of you are beyond that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How many of you are under, under 50? <laughs> over 60? Come on. Everybody. We're people here from many, many, many kinds of ages. Okay, how many of you have college educations? How many of you um, came from homes that were divorced? Homes that your parents are still married? How many of your parents have already passed away? All your parents are still alive. How many of you grew up Catholic? How many of you grew up Baptist? Methodist? We won't hold that against you. <laughs> How many of you didn't grow up going to church? 
Come on. Come on. How many of you gave your life to Jesus before the age of 20? Okay. How many of you gave your life to Jesus before the age of 30? After that. Okay. How many of you have been in prison? No, I'm just kidding. Don't put up your hand. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you're welcome here. I want to say this, that we're a group of diverse people. Now, God loves diversity. But God does not like division. So division cannot be from God, but but diversity is. So God loves us different. He loves the fact that we're with one another, that we're together, that we're not like one another. But the minute my not being like you creates in us a distance, and whether that distance be an ethnic understanding, whether it be a cultural, whether it be a class, you know, whether it be a whatever distance, something, if something divides us, that's not from God. If, we, if I think of myself better than anybody else because I am an X and not a Y, we've crossed a line that is not biblical thinking. But still, we need to understand that God loves difference. He loves it. He wants things to be like that. He wants no unity. He doesn't want uniformity, but He does want unity. So did y'all know that that's where kind of the the word university comes from? It's unity in diversity. It's that all the fields of study together has one purpose, and that's to increase our knowledge and our understanding of how things is and point to how things ought to be. The second point I'm making today is that every part of the body is significant. Okay? Because it's significant, it's, it's significant because God placed it. If it was just random, I couldn't prove significance. But because God placed it, it means it has a purpose. Verse 18, 19, 22. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it only uh, had one part. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So that means not everybody is going to be equally visible, but everybody is equally important. So that means that it doesn't matter what you do in our church, you're as important as everybody else, including me. People who are visible up here aren't in any form or way more important than people who are doing the behind-the-scenes things. Let me, know, let me tell you what, what happens throughout the week right? in our church. There's a group of people who pray daily for our church. Without them, we would be less than what we are. We are dependent on their intercession. They ward off so many bad things that could happen to you in your life because you're a part of this family. They stand in the gap for you and I so that God's purposes may prevail over our lives. That's beautiful for me. Nobody ever sees them. They pray in church, they pray before service, and by the time we all step inside, they're done praying, and then they look like us, just like, like they also, people that came. But they've been faithfully serving. They've been like, like the liver that removes toxins out of our system 
through their prayer. It's awesome. But they're not seen. If you guys know what goes into pulling off a children's ministry, it's different from doing a child care environment. You see, to have child care, you put kids in a room with supervision and you put down toys and activities and boom, you're done. But to have a children's ministry, we have to raise up people that feel that they can share messages from the Bible with kids. And so we need to put resources in their hands. We need to prepare like um, a, 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 a curriculum of teaching that actually strings together some series of messages so that the kids will start forming a spiritual understanding it can't just be all these randomized you know once and once and dones there has to be precept upon precept principle upon principle in, um, uh, 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 shared with those kids in a way that helps them to remember that they're also created by god and that he loves them and he has a plan for their lives and start helping them understand how that works out in their day, everyday lives. It's a ministry. And like, I mean, we're, we're about to, to um, start looking into our youth ministry. And how can we ramp up our youth ministry? Um, we we, we, we want to make sure that when your kids come to youth, that they hear the word of God taught to them. In a way that makes sense to their generation. That they might not live a compromised Truth, but they won't live that truth in their, in their environment, in their milieu. That's going to take organization. It's going to take effort. But you know what? Because that happens throughout the week and we don't get to see that here, does that make that any more, less valuable? Any less valuable? No. Let me tell you this. We're a generation away from extinction. If we don't invest in our young people now and teach them the word of God, what happens when a generation rises that has no clue what God's purposes for this world is? How do they end up teaching our kids in school? How do they end up leading our municipalities? How do they end up voting? How do they end up making things happen? You know, in, the, in their areas of influence? All they'll advance is basic popular narrative that is unbiblical. Because that is what they get taught. We have to teach them the word of God. And that always going to happen without most of us even noticing. But it's indispensable. If that is the truth, then you are also indispensable. You have been placed by God in this environment. And man, my hope and trust is that you will find your way into our community, into our spiritual family. Because I believe God is calling people to join this body to make a difference in our environment. So for me, you're not here by accident. You're here by design. God is starting a process of placing you. Where you can start understanding who are you? What's your design? How have you been created? How should you take part? What is your purpose? What's God's plan for your life? How are you going to make a disciple? How are you going to make a difference in this area? Through our church. You see, every single part of this church is very, very, very important. And what others might seem insignificant, like, you know, placing banners at the front of the road or putting a sign up that says park here, God sees that as indispensable. Because often people 
through their experiences outside even of this venue, are already making up their minds whether they want to stay or not. The better we get at that, the more people experience this as a place where they want to connect to. And I want to celebrate our, our team who in the midst of extreme difficulty right now is making this place a welcoming environment where people can come in and experience the spirit of the house that says welcome home. We've been waiting for you. Number three, every part of our body is connected. Um, Verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The body only works when it's connected. This talks about us acknowledging each other and realizing that every single person has a role to play here. Every single person is welcome here. We should all be happy that the other person is here. And sometimes we have relational strife. Right? Sometimes we do. Sometimes the foot makes you trip and you break your arm. And the arm goes, foot, come on, man. And foot goes, I'm sorry. Now if arm goes, well, you know what? Sorry isn't good enough. I am, I am departing disconnecting i am leaving this body is that arm ever going to heal up if it disconnected no that's what you call amputation the part that gets cut off dies that's why there's a limit on how far you can transport organs and how long it's a viable viable time where you can transport or then it becomes non-viable anymore Because anything disconnected from the body starts decaying. Not sometimes, immediately. Processes kick in place that starts degrading the flesh. Ooh, sorry, that's a little graphic. But that's true. You're never going to heal outside the body. Well, I got hurt in church. Hear my heart here today. I want to say I'm sorry. To each and every person that has ever gotten hurt in church. That's not our heart. And however that happened, you know what? It's wrong. It shouldn't have happened. But we need you to be healthy. And you need us to get healthy. Nothing good can come of an offense, of a hurt, of a relational clash, if you distance from it. But if you stay connected, something good can come. If you stay connected, it can start healing. There is a chance of recovery if connection stays in place. But if disconnection happens, it's a lost cause. It'll never get back until the connection gets reestablished. And until that happens, we're going to be worse off for it. If that arm says, I'm done, I'm out of here, then that body goes on maimed, disabled, less abled. Sometimes we need to realize that when we, dis- when we disconnect from the body, we start dying. So... California Department of Mental Health did a study that discovered that if you cut yourself off from people around you, 
which often happens because of legitimate life circumstances, but a lie that tells you you're better off trying to figure this out on your own before you reconnect back into church. They say people like that are three times more likely to die an early death, four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout, five times more likely to be clinically depressed, and ten times more likely to be hospitalized with a mental, with a mental disorder. That means you don't figure it out on your own. That's what it means. And so often I hear people say, you know, no, I just, I'm just going through stuff that I first have to figure out before I connect. You won't. You need the body to figure it out. That's the whole idea. That's why God made this thing like this. Because he knew we wouldn't cut it on our own. Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Look, if I get awarded, you know, and, and, and if I get awarded for, uh, for, you know, being a great academic, like I get an academic accolade of some sort, right? I don't hear my feet say, well, I ain't going because they're not going to acknowledge me. But I gotta go get, get. I'm gonna go show up at the, you know, the thing, the the prizing award, and I gotta walk up the stage. I need you. Well, I'm 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 not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling the love. No. If one part of the body is honored, the other part celebrates with it. The first time you heard that you're gonna get it, you were like, "What? Are you seriously?" Your feet started responding in celebration with the rest of your body. But you know what's also true? <laughs> when the, one part of the body hurts, the other part also wants to respond. You know, you, when, you, when you hit your, your, your thumb with a hammer, all of a sudden, everything wants to respond. Okay? <laughs> your feet just, you want to run somewhere because <laughs> you want to escape the pain. But <laughs> you know that's not kind of going to work. You're going to run around in circles and like, you know, and your mind goes, and your mouth goes, Bless you, hammer. Every part participates. If one part suffers with it, says verse 26, and, and one part is honored, all the parts are glad, or all the parts suffer. Listen to me. This week in our, in our family, of, um, in our church family, broader church family, some people lost loved ones. Man, like I was calling the one person and um, about something, a project that he and I are working on together at my house. And um, it's actually his house that I'm reading from. Um, and, and he just said to me, oh, Pastor, it's, it's, it's not going real good. Because I asked him, like, you know, how are you doing? And he said, my mother just died a half hour ago. And I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I called you. How are you holding up? And he's like, well, you know, he explained the situation to me. We got to pray and got to encourage him a little bit. My heart breaks for him. They're going through grief right now. But at the same time, just a, a week earlier than that, I, I spent time with another couple in church who've been trusting God for a breakthrough in their finances and in their work. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he got offered a position at a place that we've been praying for. 
And so I'm out there celebrating with him and going, yes, come on. God is faithful. That's awesome. We prayed for this. God answered our prayer. And at the same time, I turn around and with this brother, I cry. My heart breaks for him because I know what it feels like to, miss, to, to lose a parent. The body helps. The body connects. The body feels together. If you don't feel anything for the people around you, then there's something wrong with your connection. There's something wrong with your connection. We're meant to hurt with one another. We're meant to celebrate with one another. It's a great privilege to share in everybody's joy, and it's a great privilege to share in people's pain, people's grief. But God wants us to know that we need to be connected. Number four, every part of the body has a function. Every part of the body has a function. Romans 12 this time, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so is it with Christ's body. Your body works better when your lungs function, when your kidneys function, and when your heart function. The minute one part of your body stops functioning, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But you know what often happens? Is we don't see myself, ourselves, as being a critical person element within the pot and i think that you know what i'm just one cell nobody's gonna miss me and if i if i don't show up if i just stay away if i i kind of stop you know engaging no one's gonna miss me you know what that is that's a little part of an organ dying and everybody else needs to come and take over that cell's function You know when cells start operating in a different way? You know what that's called? Than what they're supposed to operate? They start developing around themselves in a different way? That's called cancer. And that kills. God wants each and every cell to see itself as a as, a, as an indispensable, inseparable part of the, 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 the organ that it is involved in. Because if you and I and then 10 other people just start disappearing, just start going off the rails, all of a sudden we have a big problem on our hands. You are missed. You are missed. And, and even for people who are listening to this online, you are missed. And, and, and it's not because you're not in this room. It's, it's more because we're missing connection with you, relationship with you. And the whole point of us saying stop going to church is for you to understand that you don't need to be at a service for you to be a part of the church. But we need to feel connection from you. And sometimes the system breaks down and, and you don't get necessarily contacted. Hey, won't you reach out again this week to people around you? You might even be sitting in this room and feeling disconnected, that you've not really met with anybody real. You know, you don't have a real relationship with anybody here. Hey, that's why we want you all to fill in those little cards. And each of you got a little, a little form to fill out today. Did, did everybody receive those forms? Okay. Who did not receive a form when they walked into the church? Okay. Who's not going to lift their hands no matter what I say? Okay. <laughs> That's why we gave you all that, because we want to know where are you at? 
And can we help you take some steps to connecting, to meeting people? And look, we want you to meet us. We want to know you. And even though this is kind of growing into a big church, we still want to know you. We still want to get to know you. And so that's why we have plans to make that happen. You know, in the beginning of a month, we have what we call the next step um, a meeting where we talk about who our church is, but we also talk about you. We do little assessments to figure out how has God, God designed you? And what is your purpose going to be? And how can you take a part and still love being doing what you are and who you are with us here as a family? So next time when that comes around, please join us. Please step in. Man, if you're, if, you're, um, if, if you're a teenager, you're still in high school, please come to our youth. I come every other week. My wife comes every other week. We are wanting to get to know you guys too. We don't just want to know your parents. We want to know you too. So please come to our youth. Please come hang out. We've got amazing youth leaders. Um, and I mean, we can, we can talk about that. But we want to know you. So here's what we want, want you to realize. We're not the only people that you can connect to either. As much as we would love to connect with you, and as much as if you don't find us, you know, that you want to connect with us, there's a lot of people in our church that love to meet people and love to help people along their journey of spiritual growth and getting settled into the family. But our family is an open book. I mean, we bring people to our house often. Um, uh, You know, more people here have seen our house and kitchen in disarray than, you know, some would be comfortable with. But that's okay because we're just normal people and our kitchens get out of control every now and then. Um, but you know what's great? When you can come visit, you, you can come help us clean. <laughs> that makes us get closer, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, and, and the same for you. If you invite me over to your house and you're busy on a project, I'll help. I'm handy. Trust me. Ask the guys who are on here. With some of their you know, participation, we put in their own floors in our house. We you know, paint in our own house. We, I'm handy. We can do stuff. We're, no work is off limits. We just have to find the time for it. But that's what we want to be for one another. We don't want you all to think that there's this massive barrier, you know, somewhere here. Now, I know there is one now, you know, because of the seating and whatnot. But you don't have to feel that you have to sit back there because the further you grow to the front, the more holier you need to be, right? (laughs) No. That's not how things work here. (laughs) Okay. The less holy you are, the closer I need to keep my eye on you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Chris, you and I are going to have a talk this week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he shouts for Alabama. What do you think? I need to keep my enemies close. <laughs> Friends close, enemies closer, right? <laughs> no, God loves diversity. Um, he does. Um, that's bordering sin, but we'll forgive him for that. <laughs> he loves what? The blood. He loves the saints. That's all I can say. Anyways. All right. Have you ever sat on your foot kind of in a weird way? Your foot was not supposed to be there. But then it fell asleep, right? And then you, you, you didn't realize it was asleep. And then you like, you need to get up to go somewhere. And you get up and you're, you're, the first step you put on that dead foot is just like, like <laughs> you almost collapse under it. Have that happened to you before? 
That's what happens when you kind of misplace a body part and you, you're, 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 you're sitting it and it's, it's kind of doing, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. If you've ever felt like you're kind of in limbo, you're just not, like, yeah, you just can't get going. You're like, you're, you know, it's because you've not been positioned correctly. But you know what? The only way to get that foot to start functioning again, right? You have to kind of, okay, just give it a moment. Okay, just let's get the pins and needles out. But you have to force it to do what it's supposed to do, right? You have to step on it again before it actually starts healing, healing up. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of oh, <laughs> at first, but a couple of steps and then it, you know, it kind of shakes it loose and boom, there it goes. That's what it's like if you've kind of been around church, but you've been attending it as a special event and you've kind of seen it as something that's just there for your needs and your entertainment or, um, you know, it's just a place that you go to uh, uh, every now and then. You're actually not functioning. And so you find yourself actually like, almost like, like there's some uncomfortableness when somebody says to you, hey, you need to start stepping. You need to start carrying some weight. You're like, I can't carry any weight. I'm in a mess. Yes. But when you start, you work that mess out. And all of a sudden you find yourself, okay, and now you can start carrying weight and continue on with what you've been called to do. You all understand the metaphor here? It's my job to help you do that. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. So here's what I want to tell you. My job is not to just minister to you. My job is to raise y'all up as ministers. This is a big theological shift that Jesus brought into the church. And for the life of me, I don't understand how come this is not main thinking in every church. There is no longer an elect group of people that are the ministers. Please don't ever introduce me to anybody around you as your minister. I am not your minister. I am your pastor. And as your pastor, I need to help you to understand that you have become, in Christ Jesus, a minister of the gospel of Jesus to the world. Jesus made every believer a minister of his truth and love to the world. Every believer. That means you are in full-time ministry. Congratulations. Say this. I'm in full-time ministry. Now, my full-time ministry is through my occupation as a pastor at Our Savior's Church. Where's your full-time ministry? Sheriff's Department. Seaman Contracting. Manual Builders. That's your, that's your place of work. Your ministry runs through that. Hey, where do you go to school? That's where you're going to live out your ministry. And it's my job to help you set your mind correct, retrain your thinking so that you'll understand that, hey, I'm not just a person that needs to get saved and go to heaven. I have an 
I have a, a task. I have a, a calling from God that I need to live out in my classroom. I need to live that out in my boardroom. I need to live that out in, in, all, my, in all my um in my family affairs. You know, the biggest frustration to the kingdom of God is, is people who believe that there should be a separation between God and the rest of their lives. And this sprouts from a, a misunderstanding of the necessary uh, institutional separation between the church and the state. The Bible is actually the reason why there is a separation between the institute of the church and the institute of government. That wasn't man's idea. That is the Bible. Okay? So if anybody tries to claim that, they need to realize that the idea originated from Scripture. That the church cannot have authority over the state and the state cannot have authority over the church. That is a very important distinction that needs to happen in life, in, 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 a, in a society. Religion can, over, can, can dictate what the state needs to do. The state shouldn't dictate which religion and what religion ought to do. Those things should be separated. But bringing separation between those institutions did not mean that you can take God and ring-fence Him to church experiences on Sunday and leave Him out of the rest of your life. That is dualism. It's not Christianity. And it's nothing to do with the Bible. If you are a Christian, you better bring God to your work. The way you do it, you need to be wise with. You can't go in there and bash people over the head with, you know, what the do's and don'ts of, of, of Scripture is. No. You need to learn. How do you present the gospel to them in a way that will start making sense to their lives? But if your desire is to keep God out of your job, you're not functioning according to your design as a Christian, as a son of God, because you're in full-time ministry. And God wants you to be a minister of His truth and of His gospel wherever you work. I can't repeat this enough. How we go about doing that, that takes special focus and special, you know, you need, to, you need to learn how to be as wise as a serpent but as, and as cunning as a, wise as, a uh, wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. But you cannot remove God from your everyday life. So, even for our church to really be successful, um, it cannot be, it cannot all, all come, up, come, come down to me. It's like, as much as, as, much as you know, I, I, I lead this campus, if everything rests on me to do, it'll crush me. It'll crush me. It's like, you, you, if, you, if you can imagine the, the, the thought of an of a empty Coke can um, that is on the, on the ground, and you take a big cinder block and you, and you drop it onto it, what are you going to get? A crushed Coke can. But if you take a whole case of Coke cans and you put them next to each other, close proximity, forming a unit, you take that same block and you drop it, it's probably going to hold. You'll feel it. You'll feel the weight. But that's the thing. Every single unit is going to carry a little bit of weight. 
and we'll be able to carry that cinder block to where it needs to be built to accomplish God's goal. Last point, every part of the body is controlled by the head. Okay, so this is a very important point because Colossians 1.8 says, Christ also is the head of the church, which is the body. Christ is the head. It's dangerous when churches start thinking that they're the head of the body of Christ. No, we all need to acknowledge that Jesus is the head of the body. And when there are different churches, it means that we're all part of the body of Christ. And so we're not supposed to have hate and you know, dissent towards other churches that are around us. We respect every part of the body of Christ. And everybody fulfills function. But you know what? As humans, none of us fulfill our function 100% perfectly. And so we all have to acknowledge that, yes, I understand what I understand in Scripture, and I have a deep conviction about it, but I'm leaving a door open always to be proven from Scripture that I miss some of it. Because we understand that we all see in part when nobody's perfect, nobody has the full understanding of, of God's Word completely under the belt, we're all learning. We're all learning. But that's why we need to be open towards one another and challenge one another's thinking. That's why I can challenge truths that get or, or, or opinions that get shared because that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to bring healing to one another and help one another grow strong and mature in our faith. And how can I help you to grow unless I challenge your way of thinking about things? I cannot. If you just keep doing everything the same as you've always been doing, that's not growth. But how many of you know if you come into environments like this and your thinking gets challenged, you're left with a decision. Am I going to just continue my life the way it's always been for the last 20 years? Or am I actually going to try to do something different now? Am I going to actually start seeing church a little different and, and make an effort to connect in a way that I haven't done before? If that's you, if you feel like that, I want you to, to take that form and, and let us know where would you like to get involved and, and, and we'll help you because we need you. You need us. But the head cannot be separated from the body. Also, you cannot say, and I've heard many Christians say this, you know, it's just me and Jesus. It's like, I don't need, I don't need the church. Listen to this. Listen to me. <laughs> I have this stupid joke about, about a guy called Head. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it proves a point. It's like this this child he's just made up of a head right and then the joke goes about how he experiences life because he's just a head and and all sorts of ridiculous sayings around it but the ridiculousness of it is the fact that it's true it's true none of the body gets to just purely interact with the head and the head alone we get to form part of the body that is submitted under the head of Jesus Christ. And the body can't, can't propose to not need, the, the, you know, not need Jesus and kind of just do whatever they want to do. We're not the head of the body. Jesus is. You know, if there's no head, you're probably dead or you're really freaking everybody else out around you. 
We need the headship of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to change our way of thinking. See, I mean, look, if I asked you this, do you have perfect thinking? Nobody here in their right mind will say, I have perfect thinking. Yet at the same time, when I bring a thought that you need to replace some of your faulty thoughts with, you would go, well, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> That's just the thing. We have to realize that Jesus has to be the leader. For us to go anywhere, for us to have any form of success, Jesus has to be our leader. That means His Word has to define the way we think, the way we operate. If there's no leadership, we perish. We perish. You cannot say you love Jesus, but I hate the church. No, we're one with Him. You don't get Him without the rest of the body. So, what are you going to do next? Church is not an event. Church is not a hotel. It's not a building. What do you have to change to connect to spiritual family? To see it as okay that there are broken people here. And because there are broken people, we might hurt, we might offend, we might make mistakes, but we're going to work through it because we're going to stay connected because we're a body. And if we're connected, we have a chance of recovery. How does your response, how does your interaction with church need to change? Well, the first thing you can do is you can get serious about becoming involved. And the second thing is when we reopen our life groups in September, you can really make a big effort to make life group a part of your lifestyle. It is difficult. I know because you have to reorganize things. But it's worth it. Because the life that flows from it is health and healing. It's strengthening so that we will grow and we will become what God has intended for us to become. The first step, though, is to acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior. So I want you to consider this. You don't get to be a part of the body of Christ until you have made a decision to follow Jesus. Until you have decided to stop trusting in your own goodness and started trusting in what Christ did on the cross for you. For it's by faith that we are saved through God's grace, not by our own good works, so that no one can boast about themselves. He gets all the glory. Let's stand together this this morning. I want to pray over us. And at the same time, I want to remind y'all that we're not receiving tithes and offerings in the aisles at this point, but um, if you're giving online, you can find ways on the screen right now where you can participate in that form of worship and partnership with this church. There's also a box to give in the foyer as you leave. Um, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness and in making this body have, have the necessary fuel <laughs> to keep doing what it's doing. We can only grow as our fuel enables us to keep growing, to keep going. But right now, if you have never given your life to Jesus, won't you, won't you right there where you are, just, just consider this. Have you been disconnected? Have you been kind of running your own show, trying to do things on your own? If that's you, 
you have an opportunity here today to really say yes to God and trust in His work and not your works. And you do that simply by, in your heart, acknowledging, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you were raised from the dead. And you paid my penalty. I want to put my trust in you for my forgiveness. Not in my own goodness. As you do that today, the Bible says that a miracle takes place in your heart. And you become a new creation. You become a child of God. You become a child of God. And you are saved from this point forward. Even though you're still imperfect, you can walk in relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Father, you know every person's heart, how they're processing this, Lord, the decisions that they're making. I pray, Father, that as they step out in faith to trust you first and foremost, Lord, that you will also lead them to step out in faith, God, and trust us, trust this family to, to help them grow up into your likeness become more like you Jesus Father we bless you we thank you for just the blessing of being a part of your body Lord where we can really walk with other people where we can be fully known and still fully loved regardless of what our past looked like regardless of what our present looks like Lord you're the great healer the great restorer Thank you for how you've restored our lives in this church. And we pray that you'll do the same for many who are still to come and become a part of this. We bless this family. We bless your body that they might go out and connect this week to people around them, that they might go out and build those relationships that cause the connection that leads to life and healing and restoration. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you go with us and you guide us. In Jesus' name. Amen.